What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast, and we are back in our usual surroundings. All of us back in our makeshift home studios. I am Mike Maroney. McLean Boyd is here. Jay Woodson. How are you folks doing? Beautiful night down here in South Florida. Got 87 degrees today. How was it for you guys? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) It was 42 and rainy all day. It was miserable. It was chilling. It's going to be a high of 32 on Saturday here. Yeah, not, not good. But we are back. We're all back home after our trip last week for our 100th episode in Orlando to play a little golf, go to the PJ merchandise show. We were just chatting about it. You guys recovered? I'm uh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um it yeah, I was uh I was moving a, a little slow. Days. Yeah. But slow feet. Slow yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not as young as we used to be. No. <laughs> but no. a good a good time was had. A, a good time. A good time was had. Um got to play some good golf. Uh, we had a great meal at Vito's Chop House. Shout out to Vito's Chop House. They're not a sponsor, but uh, that tomahawk was just absolutely on point. <laughs> McLean and I uh, split a split a dinner, but it was a tomahawk. It was cute. It was, cute. It, was well, it was for the for the listeners. It was actually like a tomahawk for two. Like it was a plant. Like it wasn't just like a yeah. hey, one one steak, two knives kind of thing. It could have been, <laughs> and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Yeah. No, that that is absolutely correct. I think I felt like- steak, broccoli, and red wine is probably my favorite meal right now. It's just hard to beat that. It's just a good combo. Yeah. I felt like we were very loud for that place. <laughs> There's a good chance we were definitely I'm pretty loud. sure we were annoying a few of the tables around us. I didn't really look, but everyone else was a lot quieter in that uh, restaurant than we were. Because we <laughs> were all coming. We all had a little bit of a buzz going on before that. We had played golf. We had a few drinks back at the condo. And then we went, it was like a what, 8.45 reservation? Normally, I'm almost yeah. as close to my bedtime. So yeah, it was 8.45. <laughs> yeah, we were already feeling pretty good. So That's facts. <laughs> uh, but yeah. With an appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a good time, and hopefully... Everyone enjoyed our marathon long hundredth episode last week. I think it was about 209 minutes that we put out and that was edited down slightly too on a couple of occasions. So yeah. Uh, Jay actually passed out before Mike got done editing the podcast. Yes. I was up till 1 AM editing the podcast. I actually wasn't even finished like with the, the publishing it until that I was like, I just got to go to bed. Like I had a meeting in the morning at the PGA show and I was like, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I was falling asleep with the computer. I was like, I'm, I'm waking up and I did 10 or 15 more minutes to get it published in the morning. I was just, yeah, it's a long night. Long, long night. I slept in. (laughs) But it turned out perfect. Well, perfect uh, perfect is a different, I would use a different word, but yeah, it perfectly imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was last week. We had a good time. And, um, what are you guys drinking this week after all that talk of? Um, yeah, I took a, I took a couple of days off, um, <laughs> but uh, I am, I'm going with an Elijah Craig barrel proof uh, version. I think it's the B521. So it's 
B two is Ricky their second. Throwing up right now. <laughs> he's he's so upset. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep laying it on thick. <laughs> uh, but this is this is actually a really good really good bottle. Um, it's a 21, 21 edition. So the B, I'm pretty sure they have like a different lots. And then when they release them, so it's a B2, uh, 21 was just the, the code name for it. But this is, this is probably one of their better, better, uh, barrel proof, um, releases. So, and I just finished it. So I can, I can sense him eye rolling right now. (laughs) I was able to grab a beer during that entire description and did this beat. (laughs) I left when it started, came back. We're still going. I love it. I love Pinky's it. up. Pinky's up. Pinky's up for Jay. McLean's on the Corona light as usual. And I'm just drinking water, boys. Whoa. Whoa. I had a, I had a little talk with myself last night. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people do dry January. Yeah. You, you have to ring me out. Mine's been so wet. It's just like, it's a it's been damp all month long i did take a couple nights off when we came back from florida but then drank all night sunday with you jay and a couple other guys watching the football game not me and, and then last night i come home i grab two high noons and then after dinner i pour a tequila on the rocks on a monday night with yeah. no podcast and i i look at myself and i'm like what am i doing with my life it, first of all it was delicious tequila <laughs> i enjoyed it thoroughly and so oh, was that that was that the that tequila that gave you uh, at your yes. the, the pro am yeah wow, that was good. That, that is that was delicious. good it was I wouldn't stop talking about it to Lindy she was just like enough enough I get it you like it stop talking about it yeah, it was really good it was good so I had that and I was like you know what I need to I need to make a change in my life Bring Tempor- it back. Bring it back temporarily here. temporarily yeah. <laughs> Well, Mike, you did miss it. Jay and I were describing that tequila to the bartender at the golf course. And it's fantastic because we're like, we're into it totally. And she's like, yeah, I hope it's not like this one. It has that, uh, the Clasa Azul. She's like, it has that, that in note of vanilla. And Jay and I are just sitting there. We're like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to really like it. Yeah. You'll really like it. Yeah. It was like we were so excited, and then she's just like, "Yeah, that as long as it doesn't have vanilla, that stuff's awful." And you're like, "Yeah, oh, uh, this one exactly had vanilla at the end." That's, that's yeah. exactly what we liked about it. Absolutely <laughs> incredible, but yeah, yeah, to, to each their own. To each their own. Yeah. You know, fair enough. So here's a uh, I'm issuing a challenge to myself. I, I'm doing a dry February. Wow. Start tonight. Well, I'm going to do a dry February. You got to. Yes, I picked. Yes, success. I picked the shortest month on the calendar to do it. Yeah. You got to set yourself up for success, Mike. I got to be honest. Yeah. So the 31st of January, I am on water and we're going to see how long this goes. Fair. I might make it to, if I make it through Friday, I'll be lucky because I'm having people over the house on Friday. I give it a week. (laughs) How about dry during the week? Like Monday through Thursday and then give yourself a little break. Sunday through Thursday. Yeah, you can do Sunday through Thursday. If you want yeah. to be an overachiever, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if you want to really want to really want to do it, I mean, wow. fine, wow. go for it. I was trying to get you a little little breather there, but appreciate yeah, it. Sweet of you, Jay. I mean, I figured you'd probably crack a high noon while you're watching the end of the golf, but you know, fine, you can drink water. No don't, give me, don't, give me don't give me ideas. Don't give me ideas. So, anyways, let's let's get into a little golf and um, not my alcoholism. So. 
We had the uh, Farmers Insurance Tory Pines this past weekend, Saturday finish. Hopefully, everyone caught on to that. I know some people were a little, a little confused by it, but the man, Maximus Homa, wins in Cali again. His sixth win on tour. Four of them have been in the state of California, where he's from and went to school. And what comes from five back, shoots a 66 on Saturday, final round. And I will miss up the days when I'm talking about this tournament in the next few minutes here. But yeah, wins by two. And what was it? I think he was eight shots better than the field average on the final round. So, man, I, you know, I, I texted you guys like I fucking love Max Homa. Huge Max Homa fan, and, I, and I've said it before on this podcast, but it's getting really fun to watch him play golf now, too. Not just his personality and interviews and stuff. Because he's got a freaking good golf swing. Well, and it's that helps. Like, I, mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, when you watch golf, the only thing we have to go on is the, the visual, right? We're watching golf because you like to watch guys play, play, like watch him swing. That's all we can go on. So if you, you know, you watch it, you watch like watching a guy putt or you like watching a guy swing, you're like watching a guy bomb drives. I mean, you visually it's appealing and he's got a visually appealing golf swing. It's like, man, that just looks right. I don't know for somebody who's a novice to golf and you watch him swing, you're like, I don't know what that was, but that looks right. You know, (laughs) and it is right. It's right on the money every time. Well, it's a very repeatable motion. He does a great job of putting the same swing on virtually every golf shot that he hits, which is what you see from a lot of great players. Um, You're exactly right, though, Mike. I mean, the guy's just good for the sport. At the end of the day, he's one of those guys that we want involved in the sport. We want out there in front. Um, It's hard to find something you really dislike about the guy. And there's there's not enough of those guys in our sports. You know, golf is a very egotistical sport. It's uh, a... you know, we hear all the time about how guys are inside the ropes versus outside the ropes. And all we see for the most part is inside the ropes. He does a great job of being good in, on both fronts. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that's not something that, you know, maybe we see enough in our sport. And and letting you into the off the course side a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the guy, you know, from a from a golf standpoint, he has almost like this killer instinct. It seems like when he gets up there and gets a taste of it, he like seizes the moment and, you know, has this killer instinct that you almost wouldn't expect because he's just the easygoing, fun loving guy, but he's got this dog in him and this fight in him. And he's like, Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm up here. I got a taste of this now. And no one else is taking it from me. And there were some other big names on that leaderboard, John Rahm, Tony Fino, Colin Morikawa, there were some studs up there, Hideki Matsuyama. Well, and Max Homa is, was one of those names. And yes, he is one of those names. He's number 13 in the world now. And, you know, I, he, I think he has even admitted it. He needs to do a better job in the majors. And we all said, we, and people are already talking about the U.S. Open, like we were talking about a few weeks ago at L.A. Country Club. He's going to be a big favorite there with him holding the course record and being from Southern Cal and L.A. and that whole thing. So, yeah, he does need to do it a little bit more. Um, in the majors, but yeah, when he gets a taste of it, it seems like he's, he seizes it, man. I I totally agree. I mean, he's putting himself in those conversations because he's getting it done when he's in there. Um, six wins now on tour. I mean, I think it's, 
six wins is almost veteran status. And Max Max Homa almost has enough star, starts to really be considered somewhat of a veteran, especially when you consider the average length of a tour player's career on the big tour. Um, he he does need to get it done in some majors to put himself up into that next echelon, the upper echelon of you know top talent out there. But there's no reason that he he's not considered a contender, and there's no reason why we shouldn't see him you know keep trending in that direction. Um, he's consistently putting himself in contention. I I don't necessarily think that the golf course or the situation is as much of a factor as maybe it was earlier on in his career. He's getting a lot of those bugs off of his shoulder, and I think he's going to um, contend and hopefully break through in uh, some of the majors this year. I mean, he is one of the best players in the world right now over the last couple of years. Not even close. Absolutely correct. I mean, we we went we were kind of joking when we were sending the names out, but he's got more wins in the last two years than Justin Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Justin Thomas, as you guys love him so much, I mean, he's arguably one of the best players in the world. You know, so there's no question that he's he's not that arguably, but yeah. (laughs) He's he's put himself in the in the in the talk for sure. I mean, especially with the recent play in the last two years. I mean if, well, you, if he knocks, if you back, said who is the? Yeah, no, I was going to say if you just look at who who is playing the best, not just like the, you know, we look at like Rory and and some of these guys who have been out there for an extended period of time and they've got a history, but like who is who is playing the best right now? You know, consistently over the last year and a half, two years. I mean, he's. I, I would you say he's not up there? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Was that that stat you sent us Saturday night? In the last twenty five months, nobody has more PJ Tour wins than Max Homa. Yeah, I mean. There it is. You know, well, if he knocks back a major or two over the next two, three years, combined with his, that'll get him up to potentially eight wins. You got to think the way he's playing right now, sprinkle in one or two more tour wins, get the guy close to 10 wins, two majors. That that's a big time conversation. That's player. a, that's that's a like, hall of fame. That's a hall of fame, fame career. career. That, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That, that cements him. And that's how close he is though. You know, we're only talking about breaking through four tournaments. Now, that's a big ass. Like, it's very easy. Oh, yeah, to talk yeah, about. yeah. And we know yeah. golf is a game that's incredibly easy to talk about. Very fickle, too, to without question. But on the other side, he's so close, it's very fickle that it could go his way as well. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately he's going to continue to put himself in that conversation. He seems like he has one of the better mental games out there. He doesn't seem to let the emotions get too high or low. He seems like he really manages staying somewhat even keeled out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to um, take, especially into take into a major championship. Yeah. And he talks a lot about his team. You know, his caddy is his best friend. They've known each other since they were six years old. And he gives a ton of credit to his caddy. He gives a ton of credit to his wife, but then he's also got who I love is one of the, I think one of the better instructors that no one ever talks about, um, British guy, Mark Blackburn, who is down, I forget what club he's club. at down in Alabama. He's at, um, he is phenomenal. I, I've had a chance to listen to him speak and had lunch with him one day a few years ago. He's great. And everyone behind the scenes says Max Homa works his tail off and grinds and grinds. And Mark Blackburn was on, uh, I think it was today on this morning on the golf channel that I interviewed him. And he said he has a great mix of, the, the technical aspect when he works and grinds and the way he works on a swing, but then he can shift into kind of an artistry mode 
when he plays. And then he added the best combo. Yeah, it's the best combo. And then he added a sports psychologist to his team just in the last few months. You know, this is a guy who won back in September and his caddy even came to him in the fall and said, Hey, I, it was his caddy's idea to talk to this um, uh, psychologist. I forget her name, Julie something, but so now he's kind of adding that and tweaking his mental side. I mean, the guy, he's not just the funny Twitter guy, you know, that yeah. everyone thought he was a couple of years ago. Not anymore, but I, 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 you can go way back in the history of this podcast. When he first started playing well, this, that's when the Twitter thing was at its absolute peak. And I attribute that to him breaking down a lot of barriers mentally for him because he became a known entity. Mm-hmm. without having the play necessarily that that gave him that brand awareness if you will yep um you, you know the, go ahead go ahead McLean. I, I was just saying i really feel like that broke down some some mental barriers for him allowed him to get comfortable out there guys were coming up and talking to him people were having conversations with him that he wasn't necessarily used to having and i think it it, it gave him somewhat of a comfort factor and allowed him to settle in and since then the guy's been on an absolute tear. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we talk about that, that uh, his whole Twitter thing and roasting golf swings. And, and he, it's, he did a couple more. It looked like this this past weekend. I saw some some funny clips and some people sent him some some messages and he responded, um, you know, but the the one thing that like most golfers, you know, you're always protecting your your ego, your, you know, who you are and, and how people judge you. And that's a, it's a constant battle. Cause you're kind of sitting on this Island all by yourself. But the fact that he was willing to kind of, you know, make fun of these players, knowing that they're in the initial, initially there could be some backlash, like, Oh, who's this guy like making fun of all these, you know, amateur golfers. And, you know, it's like, he took it, took it in stride. And it's like, you know what? I'm, I am who I am. And I'm going to just be honest and be funny Cause that's who I am. And then once people got his sense of humor, it's, it's almost like it open, open things up for him, freedom up in the eyes of, of the golf world. It's like, you know what, who cares? You know, I make fun of people's swings they're going to roast me. I'm sure if I fail, he's like, it's like, who cares? You know, at that point. And, and it's, it's, it was kind of, in my opinion, if I'm just thinking of, if I had done something like that, it would have been, it would have taken some of that pressure off in a way like, you know what I can, I know that people are going to make fun of me. They're going to judge me. I'm judging them. Then it just frees him up on the golf course. He's like, whatever, judge me all you want. I judge you guys. You judge me. Who cares? I'm just going to go play golf. And there's something to that. You know, I think, you know, we look at somebody who's, who is the opposite of that, like a Tony Finau, where it took him so long to kind of get comfortable in his own skin and how people viewed him and how they judged him on the golf course. And now Tony's kind of done it with how he's played. And Max Homa kind of did it in a reverse order. Like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this up front and then just let my game take care of itself, you know, after the fact, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's humble. He's self-aware. He he's down to earth. It's, it's fun listening to him talk about some of the other players on tour. He's like a fan out there too. He was like, man, I get to play with Colin Morikawa the last three of the four days. I love watching him swing the club. He's the best iron player out there. You know, he goes, I look up to him, even though he's six years younger mm-hmm. than me or whatever it was, you know, and he's like, he was talking about Rom at one point. I, I think he was doing an interview with No Laying Up. And he was just like, man, I played with Rom back in such and such. He goes, God damn, the stuff that guy can do with a golf ball. And he's just like excited to play golf. Like he just yeah. loves it. And then to the fact that if he saw it up today or yesterday, 
he played at a local Muni in Arizona where he lives in a skins game and won like 600 bucks. He's just out there yucking it up with the boys, drinking a few yeah. beers. And I think the guy is just like, like we are kind of just golf sickos and just, just loves every aspect of it, loves being involved. And I think he gets excited. Like, yeah, some people might shy away from being in contention on a Sunday or Saturday final round. I think he's like, oh, this gets his his juice pumping. He's like, this is cool, man. Like, I'm playing golf yeah, for like, a living in front of fans, and this is awesome. I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet, look, I think Jay uh, touched on a great point. And to go into it just a, a hair deeper, the – the uh, Twitter comments and the roasting of swings allowed him to be himself. And all of a sudden he realized that he was accepted for being himself. Yeah. And that's a big thing to get over, especially Huge. when you have the spotlight on top of you, the way these guys do. And all of a sudden he figured out, he's like, Whoa, hang on a second. I don't have to have any, you know, walls up. I can actually be myself. And all of a sudden these people like me a lot more. And I think that plays so much into what you end up writing down on a scorecard. Uh, I, I truly think that's a, a massive barrier to overcome. And I think that that, uh, that his roasting of swings allowed him to really do that. Yeah. Just allowed him to be a little more comfortable in his own skin and not have Absolutely. to put on, put on a persona, this, this tough guy mentality that some of the top athletes do really, you know, this kind of absolutely guarded tough guy, you know, don't tell the media anything kind of persona that you get a lot with, with guys in sports, not just golf, but, and so, yeah, I think you guys are, you're spot on there. And then the guy can absolutely golf his ball too. And so like, I'm just looking at his stats from this year. We've got a decent amount of, of events played and where he ranks. So his worst stat is off strokes gain off the tee, which is 57th, which kind of surprises me because the guy drives it on a string with that tight little fade. He, he's got, you know, Pretty good ball speed numbers. I think when I was looking at it this this past weekend, it was up in the high ones. Yeah, high one seventies. Yeah, I thought I saw him touch one eighty three. He could have easily um, with a little adrenaline. And so, but yeah, the thirteenth and approach the green, thirty eighth around the greens, twentieth and putting, tenth tee to green, fifth total. Now, granted, he's he's won two times, so obviously when you win twice, he's you're gonna playing well. Yeah, you're playing, playing well. So but he's a pretty complete player. Yeah, you know, very complete. Even going back to last year's full stats. Yeah, uh, around the green was his worth at 57th. Yeah, nothing major. I mean, top 60 in every set is yeah, going to win you some events and, and make you a lot of money. Without question. And now put him as a shoe-in for the Ryder Cup. Oh, yeah. Well, especially now, yeah. Without- well, especially after he goes the he goes 4-0 at the President's Cup in his first team event in the fall. Yeah. No, and, he'll, and- he'll be on the team. He'll be, a, obviously, a welcome addition to – that event, especially from the American contingent. Um, I look forward to watching him play. I think he's going to be someone that kind of picks the team up a little bit, you know, puts some guys on his back and just takes them through the trenches. He just seems like one of those guys that's going to thrive in that moment. We've already seen him thrive under pressure and not shy away at all, which we already spoke about. I, there's no reason to think that he won't do the same thing in team format. I almost think it'll get him more pumped up for it. Yeah, I think he's he's probably one of those guys too, where every other player is going to the captain, like, yeah, I'll play with Max. I'll play with Max because absolutely, the guy's damn good, has no weakness, and he's going to be a great partner out there walking the fairways with. So, yeah. Uh, did you guys catch uh, the his interview he did in the 
uh, Friday coverage, third round coverage on the 13th hole? Oh, uh, briefly, like, yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Go, talk yeah, about so he's actually, I guess he's been working with the PGA Tour to come up with ideas to help make the entertainment product, the TV product, better for fans. And they, CBS, put a uh, AirPod in his ear and talked to him the entire way down the 13th hole. And it wasn't just a mic'd up thing. It was an actual interview. When I first, I didn't catch it because I was traveling. And I saw it all online afterwards. When I first heard he was mic'd up, I said, okay, cool. He was mic'd up and they're going to just kind of clip into a conversation with him and his caddy. But I didn't realize it was an actual interview pretty much the entire length of the hole. And I thought it was, it was cool. He was, you know, insightful, told you what he was thinking. He was funny. He was charming. You know, he joked around with the guys. He made fun of Patrick Reed subtly. <laughs> which I am always a big fan of. And yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was cool. I think that's one of the things we've kind of been talking about some different things for the TV entertainment product and the fans. Now I'm not sure how many guys will be willing to do that. Well, yeah, we'll agree to it. You know, I think a lot of guys are even going to have a hard time just micing them up all day and, and then post producing a few clips of what went on, you know, being worried about what what they'll say to actually do an interview in the course of a tournament while you're playing a hole and surveying a lie and they're talking to you. You got, you know, Trevor Immelman and Frank Nabilo in in your ear. I don't know how many guys are going to sign up for that. Now well, maybe gotta be, I would think they've got to be have some incentive like, hey guys, you know, we've got a pool of however many players in the final six groups. Are you willing to be mic'd up for you know, 50 grand, 100 grand. You know, I I don't know what it is, but there's got to be some incentive to do it. Um, or the opposite, some, you know, mandatory thing that you have to do. Yeah, um, I, I don't so, think they can make it mandatory, but. I mean, I'm sure they can do whatever the hell they want. Um, sure. If they want to do it, they can. But it's there's there's got to be something to, to incentivize these guys, whether it's a, a, a bonus or a consequence to to making them do that. Because I think it's. That's what's going to differentiate them from all the other sports. Like you're not going to get a an in you know an in uh, in tournament or even an in game interview like literally while the game's going on. You may get something during a timeout or something, and and another sport where they get the coaches. But I mean that's like at halftime. But like you want to hear from a player, and like this this is one of the only sports where you can really have this interview while they're on the golf course while they're playing. Hey, you know, we you hit the nine iron there on the last hole from one fifty seven, and they can go into it like, well, I had kind of a crusty lie in the fairway. I decided an eight iron, you know, the back left pin. I mean, this is the cool stuff that you want to hear while they're playing, not just after they after play. the fact. It's yeah, fresh. it's, it's like, like basically like hearing a quarterback saying, "Yeah, I saw the coverage going this way. I could tell the linebacker was blitzing. I and, called and, the audible for a hot yeah. route, and you know, through the slant to the slot guy, you know, and." Yeah. But he he went through their thought process on the tee box of, you know, this is after he hit the tee shot of, of what they do, where he was looking at hitting over. He's like, okay, I know I can hit my my little fade and cover that left bunker and still keep it from running through the fairway the way that fairway was angled. And then he talked about, you know, when they would go for that green on 13 at Torrey, because that's uh, can be a challenging par five and it's long. And these guys are, they're going for it. They're hitting three woods. I mean, it's a poke. And he's talking about, well, I can do this, and I know if I can get it, at least get up into that bunker, that's an easy bunker shot. But if I feel like I can't, I'm going to have to lay back, you know, because anything else other than that bunker is a hard up and down. And 
And so it's, it's cool in, in the moment. Like here's what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. So, I, I, I like if that. the guys that are doing it continue to win, you're going to see more guys do it. Sure. Simple. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a hell of a sell for the PJ tour and CBS to say, Hey, it didn't affect this guy negatively. He won the tournament. Absolutely. Correct. Um, what else did you make of, of, of the Tory event? Rom, Tony, Finau, disappoint on, on Saturday. That was surprising. No, uh, I, I was, I was definitely surprised, uh, with, with Rom, the way he came back after that first round on the easy golf course and then played, Incredible, incredible golf, you know, on in the second and third round. I just, he was two back, right? He was, uh, yeah. Ryder was 12 under and Ron was 10 under going in the final round. I was like, I was like, man, we've got a bulldog chasing you, uh, you know, nipping at your, nipping at your heels, literally Sam Ryder with your, with your joggers <laughs> on. Um, so, so I was just like, what's that? So bad. <laughs> but I was like, uh, and I just, I just thought that John Ron would, you know, would play great. And then it, it's up to, it was up to Sam Ryder, whether he was going to be able to, you know, handle the pressure of, I mean, I don't, it wouldn't have been a, would it have been a wire to wire win? Did, was he leading after the first round? If not, it was close. Yeah. He was a co-leader. So. There was a couple of guys. Co-leader. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so, so, I mean, that's tough for a guy to win his first PJ tour event, you know, at, at Tory to go wire to wire with the number one player. You know, I don't know if he's officially number one player in the world, but one of the best players in the world. Um, so, I mean, I, I I definitely could see Sam Ryder backing off him. He's a great player, great ball striker, but I could see him maybe not being able to handle that heat. But I just didn't see John Rahm backing off as much as he did either. I mean, it was crazy. Um, so, Jay, you and I were watching second round coverage in the condo and we're like, oh, shit, Rom's going to like miss the cut. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah. Eagle, birdie, birdie. And you were like changing, getting ready. I'm like, I yell, I'm like, hey, just made another birdie. He goes, Eagle, birdie, birdie, birdie. And all of a sudden he's like, well, now he's all of a sudden was in the striking distance with two rounds yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, and then, and he, then he, did like on... this, he did like a similar kind of start on the front nine on, on round three. He goes like birdie, birdie, Eagle. It's like, Jesus, dude, you know, it's right, right in it. And well, that, yeah, I that was whole shocked. group, that whole group played awful. They kind of yes. fed off of each other all day, uh, especially on the front nine. You had Sam Ryder go out in 37, John Rahm in 39, and Tony Finau in 38. And they just kind of settled in back there, and they never really threatened. Um, Sam Ryder, I mean, those joggers were absolutely atrocious. And there's some guys that can get away with them, but you can't do it with a classic golf shoe. You've got to yeah, do it, it was a, shoe. A, a tennis shoe-looking golf shoe. Um, something that's more athletic looking than the classic. I love a classic golf shoe, but there's a pant that goes along with it and it doesn't stop below the ankle or above <laughs> the ankle. It just, that's not yeah. a thing. I it, could it see. I mean, I, a good look. And then we had the socks hanging out at the same time. I mean, just, just not a good look. Um, I can only think that he looked in the mirror and he was like, shit, this is what I got. There's no <laughs> way I can play well in this. There's just no way I can play well in this. Well, that's what last clean, last clean pair of pants. It you was, it was Phil Nicholson so was, was was hating on him too which of all people i mean you know i, yeah, I don't yeah. know if he really had much much of a right to to make fun of him but um he uh yeah, he made a, a comment on how how short they were speaking of phil did you see the picture of phil on the he had an interview with he looks sickly he so i saw one i saw a clip um it's terrible 
Um, but they said uh, it, it, that Phil Mickelson looks like the Saudis uh, locked him in a cage and starved him for six months. <laughs> I mean, he it it does look he does look oh he just looks old. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying I mean he's 53, 54 years old, so I mean he's getting up there. But it, it just was a big change from he went from that phase where he had this weird beard. And now it, he shaved the beard. Yeah, he hasn't looked know. good in a while. I wonder if something's wrong with him physically. I don't know. Like, Maybe. he hasn't looked right. Like, when he first came back after that long layoff and started playing the live events last year, I was like, man, he looks weird. I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to speculate here. Or, uh, but, yeah, he does not look good. I mean, it's great that he's losing weight, right? It's weird to say, so Lum's losing weight. That's good. But I don't know. He just looked frail. He, 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 yeah, it, looks, it does look different. It looks frail for sure. Yeah. Um, I am sure he's probably had a lot of a lot of what stress on him. All you do is drink coffee. I mean, can you imagine how much toilet paper you have to go through when you're on a coffee diet? Is that what he's on? Is that what he said? I'm on a coffee diet. Yeah, yeah he drinks a lot of on, that coffee. I think he's been on it for like kind of a while now. To where, yeah, I, it, yeah. and I hesitate to even say this because I don't know that it's correct. But I swear, I think I read to where he just drinks coffee all day and eats dinner. I, I know, know he's that. gone through through phases like that. I'm not sure that's like an everyday thing that might be he does it for a month or a couple of weeks or whatever. Some yeah. sort of cleanse, per se. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I, 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 I actually used to buy that coffee. It's pretty good. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I don't even know what he's what he's got his own I forget, I forget what it's called uh, he's got his own coffee brand and you actually you put this little packet of some stuff in it and it's good but then I realized I was supporting Phil Mickelson and I stopped buying it <laughs> a couple of years ago sorry Phil so I just couldn't I couldn't do it can't help you but um DP World Tour was a little interesting this week. A few. It sucks for what time it was on. I know. A few nuggets came out of um, the Dubai Desert Classic over there. Long time event. Um, Tiger used to play in it a bunch. Let's go. We'll go with the big headline first. Rory wins. His first time ever winning his first event in a calendar year. So, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it was. You've got Rom playing his ass off. You got Rory kind of continuing. We haven't seen Rory in months, and you're kind of wondering, does he come back rusty? He was playing so great in the fall all He's year. Level. And it, the answer is I'm, no. I'm hoping we're shaping up for like a Rom Rory just battle royale all year. Be awesome. I, what be we're so shaping awesome. up for is one hell of a Masters. That's what it's shaping up for with the live guys. But I mean, there's already drama surrounding that. We saw that in Dubai with Rory and Patrick Reed. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. Yeah, I'm not trying to get there yet. I'm just saying we're we're shaping up for a lot of good stuff. I mean, it, it's so wild to see. I was thinking about this when I watched it, and maybe I'll just go there, Mike. I, I don't know what your agenda is. Um, go there, man. Go there. Say, go there. I will say it is so wild to see how far we've come since probably the greatest Ryder Cup match of all time with Rory and Patrick Reed. And when Rory high fives Patrick Reed after making that putt and shushing the crowd, and they, they kind of have a moment on the back of the green there because they just know it's great golf that's being played. This is historic shit that's happening. And to now see them basically snubbing each other. Well, Patrick Reed, I, 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 
I'm not even sure why he went over to Rory in the first place. Because that's who the fuck Patrick Reed is. Because he's just like, a douchebag. And he knows it as his core. Like, look, pass him in the locker room. Pass him walking from the range to the clubhouse. Hey, how you doing? A quick head nod. Good to see you. I mean, you can't ignore everything. But to walk up and go to, like, greet him like your buddies and shake hands and all that stuff, that, that to me was just, that was a lot. That, that, so we talk about Max Homa being self-aware. <laughs> Patrick Reed is the furthest thing from self-aware. He is so fucking arrogant and delusional and he's a pathological liar. And he just creates these weird things in his head. He legitimately thinks that, Oh yeah. Why, why, why did he not shake my hand? Like he legitimately thinks he could just walk up to Rory McIlroy. Like there's no beef between the two. Like Rory's not going to have a hair across his ass about Patrick Reed. But he's that fucking delusional that he thinks it's oh like I, yeah oh, I'm I'm the victim here I got did you see how he acted like an immature child shut up Patrick Reed God yeah, damn yeah. if he had come up to me on the range and tried to shake my hand without calling me before and apologizing for serving me subpoena papers on on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day I mean I would have told him to get the f out of my face you know. I mean, literally, I'm like, dude, don't don't talk to me. Get the hell out of here. I'm not I'm not talking to you ever until you come up to me and apologize and say, hey, man, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Then I can work past it. But yeah, until then, dude, get out of here. But he also served. And so technically it's his it's his lawyer, his lawyer. So there's so many damn lawsuits going around. It's hard to keep track of them all. So this is he's not getting sued. He's just trying to be deposed for one of the many lawsuits or probably multiple lawsuits he needs to be deposed for. And so I guess also uh, his lawyer, Larry Clayman tried to subpoena or subpoena JT two days before his wedding. It's almost like they're like strategically trying to pick bad bad times to like give these guys papers and just, you know, just try to be a turd in the punch bowl on purpose. Yeah. I, I wouldn't shake his hand either. I wouldn't even, I mean, Rory didn't even make eye contact with him, which I wouldn't have either. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, get out of here. You're, you're a waste of space to me. You're, you know, freaking nothing. You're nothing. You're worthless. Get out now, of here. Now, that all being said, I do think the media kind of blew it out of proportion. Not the media. I guess it wasn't really the media. It was more social media that blew it out of proportion. Um, when I saw, like, oh yeah, Patrick Reed threw a T. It wasn't really. Like, he, he didn't even. He just dropped it. On he the just ground. dropped it. Tried to be just a dickhead like Patrick Reed is, and just dropped one of his <laughs> four aces tees down. One of your tees. What? What? Oh, good. Good job, dude. If you're gonna yeah. do it, do it. Well, I heard like a jerk, flick your tea at him and own it. You know, I'd have had more respect for him if he had just flicked it at him and be like, all right, screw you. But he I forget who that. it He's was. Walk, turn his head and walk away and just drop it out of the back of his pants like an idiot. No, he tossed it at him and he did say go aces is what I heard. Yeah. No, he didn't. He's a video. He just he literally just kind of like turned and like went the other way and like kind of dropped it on the ground. I forget who it was on Twitter. It was one of the, the one of the golf writers, prominent golf writers. I forget who it was. Said he had heard a bunch of live guys throughout the summer and fall, like in some of the majors and then any of the events that they could get into on the DP world tour were like purposely littering tee boxes with all their live tees and like their fireball tees or all this kind of shit. So it's just like, come on guys. So yeah. So that's, that's T gate for you. But here's, here's another story. I gotta be careful how I say this in case we ever get sued. Patrick Reed may have cheated again. 
here he is brushing with a, the, the rules again. I've got, I've got a take on this. I'm ready whenever you guys are. All right, let me give a quick synopsis. I'm sure most of the people, if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of, of what happened. 17th hole, drivable hole. Patrick Reed blocks his tee shot a little right into the trees. They can't find it. Someone says it's stuck up in a tree. He gets binoculars or a rangefinder or something. Says he can 100% identify his ball. The official says, okay, if that's your ball, you can take your unplayable, drop at the base of the tree, one-stroke penalty. Where if he couldn't identify his ball, he's going back to the tee box, stroke and distance. The video pretty clearly, in my opinion, shows it going in a different tree than he was looking at and where he dropped it. McLean, go. It 100% went in the first tree. 100%. At the same time, your contention for a major event, and you're looking at a ball that you're almost 100% sure is yours. You see some markings on it. Whether he could accurately say it's 100%, no. In the moment, knowing the competitor he is, I think I understand why he said it. And this is not me taking you know Patrick Reed's side and becoming a Patrick Reed fan. This is just me understanding competition and the situation. He doesn't want it. He feels fucked. He lost a golf ball in a tree. One of the rarest things to happen. We know it happens, but incredibly rare at the same time. He doesn't have the ability to look at that video like we did and clearly see that it, it stopped in that first tree. There's no more tracking after it's that first tree. I understand how it went down. If this was another player, it probably wouldn't have been as big of a deal, but because it's Patrick and because he's put himself in this limelight and he is who he is, it's absolutely going to be a big deal. Um, again, I'm not saying he is 100% correct. I, I don't know. It's impossible for me to say what he looked up and saw, he felt like was his mark, and he was confident that that was his ball. What I think happened is that someone said it got lodged in a tree. They were able to look up and find a ball in a tree, and in his mind, that was 100% his ball. He needed to say he could identify it based off of the marking so the fucking guy, the rules official, would let him take a drop. I, 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 that's where it gets a little hairy, which is, the end of the day, which is, I hate to use that word, which is not, it's not correct. Like, I you agree. have to clearly identify correct. the ball. That's, yeah, the there's no chance that. it was 100%. He knew that was his. I, I agree. I agree. 100%. I agree with that. All I'm saying is, I understand how it went down. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could see where, where he, how I can see, down. especially for him, why, he, why he did it and how he did it. Um, but I, when I, I do I've where I do fault them though, Jay. I'm, same... I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to cut you off. No. I'm. I'm sorry. No, no. I, did. I did, but I'm not trying to. <laughs> um, I do think that this fault lies on the officials and yeah, the, the uh, replay, because there's no reason that in that moment they weren't able to go to the booth, go to whoever, and say, "Guys, no, we have video evidence. Let's let's get that video." To the officials on course, they may not have the ability right now to do that. And on the DP World Tour, it's not financed the way the PJ Tour is. There are some um, things that are not quite as well equipped as the PJ Tour is, and I'm not throwing any shade on them for that. No, you're right. Yeah. But long story short, that technology should exist. If it doesn't, it should. It's not that hard considering all the technology they have in place at these events to make that work. I mean, for God's sakes, there you could have someone take a text message of it 
and send it over via text to the rules official on the golf course and show the player straight up, Patrick, it clearly hits in this tree. That can't be your ball. Have somebody call in. I know they've somewhat changed that, but if for the years that they've had where you could call the call-ins, in. The call-ins, I, but, no, no. There's, but, but call-ins my, should be my, fucking ex- exiled from the entire I agree, course. but my point is if you, if you have the technology, you're going to let somebody in the past call in based off of uh, off of video evidence and then make a ruling off of video evidence, you should be able to provide that video evidence in real time when they're on the golf course and say, hey, man, I've, got, I've just checked with the booth. The ball flew into the, the first tree, not the second tree. It's 100%. clear. We've got it. Hundred. Sorry, this ball you're looking at, I don't care if you think it's yours. It's not it's yours. Not. I'm just going to save you the trouble. I'm going to save you all of the, the, the shit that can come from this and say, hey, dude, that's not your ball. Even though you think it is, it's not. So let's just move to the second tree and see if you can find it. <laughs> well, and that's so, it. And, and show the show it straight up. Say, hey, yeah. look, this is it. This is what happened. This is what we see. That technology yeah. exists. It should on a major tour, um, such as the DP World Tour, especially in an event as big as the Dubai Desert Classic. It's not like the Dubai Desert Classic is underfunded. So at the no, end it's of day, one of their bigger events. It's one of their Rolex series events. Question, so it's without question. But that should exist. All I'm saying at the end of the day is I understand how it went down from a competitor standpoint. You can't tell me that that's not my ball, but I'm almost positive that's my ball. You say it's lodged in a tree. That's it. Again, not saying that's right, but in the heat of competition, things things happen. Guys guys are their tunnel vision towards trying to get a win. I'm not coming to Patrick Reed's defense. This is just a statement of fact across uh, m- most all sports. But – be, I'm look pretty at sure that's my ball. That's the that's the that's the issue that they the rules officials shouldn't have let him take the drop. He should have been hundred percent. And that's the the fact that they're using, you know, uh, uh, binoculars or whatever to verify or verify the ball is his. Like I, I almost think that 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 in itself. That in itself. I mean, you're talking 30, 25, 30 feet up in the air. That thing was way up yeah. there. Like to me, obviously, Patrick Reed loses. All credibility. He, he's he's lost the benefit of the doubt because of his of his history in this situation. Do I think he may have thought that ball was his? He he might be looking through that binocular and goes, ah, it's a it's a 50-50 chance that ball's mine. He is not virtually certain that that golf ball is his, and he knows that deep down. And then he kind of not strong arms the official, but I think I think some of these officials are afraid of Patrick Reed on both tours. Well, they don't want to be involved in the controversy that they know is going to happen. It's inevitable. And I think some of these officials sometimes, and not just with Patrick Reed, kind of give in to the player because they don't want to deal with the crying and the bitching and the moaning and the big scene. And if they're on the fence about something, they kind of lean the player's way just so there isn't controversy, a, a thing, you know, with them. And I think you're you're both right. The official needed to be stronger there and be like, "No, sorry, I'm not granting you that. That's a hundred percent your ball. When we're thirty feet away, staring through binoculars, we can only see a part of the golf ball." Someone zoomed in on on one of the trees, or I think maybe it was a tree that they were even looking at, and you could count with the naked eye six balls, six yeah. other balls in that tree. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. Again, it's just he he loses credibility. He loses all benefit of the doubt because it's Patrick Reed. But the official yeah, yeah. needed needed to be stronger there and say, listen, Patrick, sorry, I can't grant you that that's your ball. No, it may be your ball, but we don't know. We're not virtually certain that's your ball. And yes, they should be able to call into the 
to the truck and be like, hey, can we look and see what tree did it go in? Now, granted, so here's a question. This is a real, more of a rules question. If they can say they're virtually certain it went to the first tree, do they still have to identify the ball if they know it's up there? I think they would, would have to, right? Because you could easily They'd say, oh, to. the ball could have ricocheted and just no one saw it. Yeah, I mean, you right. have to. You have to see the ball, and you have to. I mean, the problem is, it always, it in the end, it always comes back to the player. Like, if a player says, "This is my ball," and a rules official can't say unless he is absolutely certain that it's not his ball, a rules official, all he can do is say, "If you say that's your ball, that's your ball." Like, so again, that's why. It's still, in the end of the day, it still falls on Patrick Reed because the rules yeah. official can't. He doesn't know his markings. Like if he can't see it, he's like, if if you say this is your ball, that's your ball. You know, it it only takes someone else to, with absolute certainty, to say it is not your ball because here is your ball. I've got yeah. it right here. That's really the only way that you can you know disprove his 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 statement. So that's. I mean, in the end of the day, though, I will say, everyone saw the ball get stuck in one of the trees. So that part sucks because it's like, oh, do I take a drop here or do I take a drop here? I should be entitled to a drop one way or the other. The problem is you just couldn't identify the ball and it sucks. I mean, I've had the same thing happen to me where balls in the tree and I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, I can see the ball. That's exactly where it was coming. It's hanging in a pine tree. And, but I couldn't get close enough. And like, can you verify that it's yours? And I'm like, I mean, I can't, I can't see my markings. I'm most likely it's yours, but yeah, I mean, most likely, but it's not hundred percent. So I had to get on, and I don't even know if I, I did this with the rules official. So I don't even know if this is legal, but they had, he had his cart. I got on top of the cart and stood up there. Um, so I could get closer, close enough to verify that it was mine. And, and once I verified it was mine, he said, okay, you're going to drop right here. But I said, I'm going to knock the ball down just, you know, to make sure. And it, it obviously was my ball, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I mean, until you can get up there and actually get it in your hand, that's the thing that's, that's always weird to me. Um, it's like, and you need to have it. Like if you, you got to get the ball, you know, it's Michael like, Greller know. did it one time. He climbed up into a tree to get Jordan sweets ball out so they could identify it. Yeah. I mean, well, I, well let's, let's just take this to the eighth degree. We're already almost there. Let's just go one step further. <laughs> All right. So you're what you said, Mike, about the player there, the rules official, not knowing what Patrick reads Marcus, I would say, let's go ahead and implement that. Every player has to have, you know, at least two other golf balls marked in their bag prior to the round. They show the official at the beginning of the round. This is my mark. This is the mark I'll be playing for the remainder of the day. And in this situation, if the guy questions his mark, he should be able to pull out a golf ball and say, this is my mark here. This is what I'm using. That ball has the same mark on it. Now let's just go all the way down the rabbit hole. Now we know that PGA tour events are these massive events with volunteers, players or, or volunteers, uh, employee. I mean, they, they have people everywhere making this thing happen. Is it that much to throw a ladder on a cart? And just, <laughs> just have, one, just have one out there. Just kind of follow. I think we should just station marshals in trees just in case one goes up there. Now, now you've gone too far, Mike. I, I took it to a <laughs> nice, a nice little line there. Like I was towing it, but you just, you just get, you know, we get, you, you, you go to Cabela's, you get a bunch of tree stands for hunters. You're, you've gone now. You put now them up we've, there. We've tipped the scales. We're now on the other side. They the can be an side. eye in the sky if they see yeah. anything. You know, someone getting drunk in the in the stand. And then all you I'm know. saying is, in that situation, exactly what you just said, Jay, about Michael Greller climbing it, and with the amount of volunteers that we know that these events have. If there was a doubt in a moment, and a ladder was handy, 
Do you think they would a lot easier find someone to climb that ladder? That's all I'm saying. We can put, we can put stuff in place to eliminate this from being a bigger issue. Yeah. You need to have the video replay available. Why don't we just go even further? Let's just have a couple cherry pickers on standby. Fucking ride that, drive that thing. This is what I was afraid of. This was boom lift on every hole. Yeah. We'll get some electrical trucks out there, you know, (laughs) some fire trucks. I'm I'm out. I'm out. I'm fucking out. I had a great idea (laughs) with fucking pushback. No, I'm trying to support your idea with other ideas. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you were super supportive. (laughs) I actually am surprised someone hasn't taken a cherry picker up to that palm tree to try to find his golf ball. All, all I'm saying is it's not a whole lot to strap a, a no, I get you. I get ball retriever and a, a ladder to a golf cart just in case. And you don't need one with every group. Just put one out there on the front nine, one yes. out there on the back nine, somewhere to where in the absolute dire need you but get you one. It. Because I can promise you with all the equipment they have out there, a ladder was not far away. Probably not. No. If you have if you have it known that you may be a ladder guy and you may be ready and we can reach you on a radio and at a moment's notice. You can get out there. We can alleviate these sort of situations. I'll do we've that. Seen guys, we've seen crowds move rocks for Tiger. You yeah, tell I'll, me you couldn't get, I, I guarantee you Kessler would have jumped on that ladder immediately to go identify it because I think they, I think they really thought that was their ball. Maybe. Or he knew it wasn't. And he just decided to strong arm the official into telling him it was. Um, what else we got in the world news? Anything else on the DP World Tour? Patrick Reed. I I, I just wish that tournament would have been in uh, a time zone where it would have been yeah, easier I know. for us to watch because it, it seemed like it was a great event. You had a lot of drama there, and all we were really left to see was the highlights. So here's here's a broader broader thought, and this is not an original thought. It's been around a lot in the last few days, and this is the one other negative to live taking all the douchebags is there's not the, some of these more scandalous storylines, controversy drama because all those douchebags play on a different tour and we don't see them together as much. You know, there's not many more. I forget who it was. I want to say, there's been a couple of guys on tour to actually say, I want to say Harry Higgs might've said something to this extent a couple of weeks ago. I saw a quote floating around about, you know, there's no more villains. Yeah. I don't know. The who, same thing. I'm not sure. Who I said forget that. who it was. I think it might've been Harry Higgs, but you know, so that's, that's a bigger picture thing, you know, and we'll get it four times a year at the majors, at least with a handful of guys, we might get it more on the DP world tour. They're supposed to have some sort of, um, ruling come down in some point in February as far as the DP World Tour blocking live guys from playing. Well, and did so you, God, did you see the news from the PJ Tour today? What news? Oh, they're they're blocking well, everyone. Well, no. Basically that a one year ban would be put in place for any player playing on an unauthorized tour. This I take as a direct response to live, but to also give them an avenue back in. 
this opens up the doors. If, if you're telling me DJ needs to take one year off from playing PJ tour events, but he can ultimately play again. I don't Come think back. you can play live events in those, in those, in that time frame. Just but take a this year gives off them an Avenue back. And I think, I think it makes sense for them to realize that it is the PJ tour is better with those guys playing and to give them some Avenue to come back makes a lot of sense. It surprises me that there's not a dollar figure um, in that equation. Uh, it would like make more fine. sense if it were it's, to, to some extent it, it, for those guys, it's a million dollars in one year and you, you, you can be re-eligible for, um, uh, for a PJ tour membership. Now, the one thing I will say is, that's probably a good thing that it's not because there are there have been some lower level players that might yeah. not be able to afford to, and it's to not quite, pay that it's fine. Not so it quite, opens up, uh, the, yeah, it opens up the door even more for those guys, and I think that's a good thing. So this, in my eyes, is the way I took it, is that this actually is saying, "Hey guys, you know, we'll we'll one hundred percent take you back. You make our product better, but it's you, you got to serve something. We have to have something in place." That keeps you guys back. So the way I looked at it, and and I didn't, I don't have it in depth. So if there's a listener out there that is, you know, more of a golf junkie than we are and knows it better than we do, um, I may be incorrect. But the way I took it from what I saw, this opens up a pathway for these guys to return to the tour. So once this, it, let's say that this rule stays in place and this tour goes on for another three, three to five years, whatever it is, these guys could take a year off and potentially still come back. I didn't. I didn't take it that way, but that's a that's a good point. Now that you bring it up, I I didn't think of that when I first. I didn't really read the article. I just saw the headline right before I logged on with you guys. But yeah, I'll be curious to see what the ruling is in in Europe as far as what the DP World Tour can do. Not that like it's really going to matter or affect you know U.S. law and how it will be ruled here, but it'll just be an interesting kind of take. And so I think. If the judge says that they can't block live guys, you're probably going to see a bunch of live guys playing the DP World Tour events for world ranking points. So you'll get a little bit of this, you know, discourse between guys. So versus just, you know, a handful of guys that are going to get into the four majors. Well, the DP World Tour has more to gain than anyone. You know, they need players. You know, they have a great tour over there. But in terms of having top talent week in and week out, they, they unfortunately don't have that. Not to say anything negative about their tour. They run a great tour. They play some amazing venues. They have a lot of great players over there. But we all know it's number two to the PJ Tour. The field is not quite yeah. as strong week in and week out as the PJ Tour is. Nothing negative against their players. They're all great players. But at the same time, they don't have, you know, your your top tier upper echelon of players teeing it up every week. So for them to make it more accessible for some of those guys, your Brooke Kepskas, your Brooks Kepkas, Patrick Reeds, um, Ian Poulter. I mean, all of, all of the live guys, Dustin Johnson, uh, Cameron Smith. I mean, uh, Cameron Young, no Cameron Smith. I apologize. I get yeah, mixed right. up with those two for whatever reason. Um, but for them to make it easier for those guys to play in their events is a benefit to them. That, that betters their product. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as any other live stuff, more executives are out. This is this is Greg Norman's show. I, I heard someone say this is kind of out of a corporate playbook. Where you just or you're you're questioning some things, you put it in one guy's hand and let him sink or swim with it and make that guy the scapegoat if it doesn't work. And there's now been six or seven executives out. 
they've said Greg Norman is the man. He has more power, more say. Reports the no one, but who knows with the PIF or MBS. But yeah, um, I got I got some people riled up yesterday. I made a comment on a Greg Norman post on Instagram. Some Greg Norman supporters were not happy with me. Oh, really? So Greg Norman puts a big post on Instagram about the announcement of the live schedule. Got the live graphic in the schedule and has a saying or whatever, you know, exciting to uh, whatever, some other stupid bullshit. And there's a second picture. So I scroll to the second picture to probably see another graphic related to the schedule. And it's just a picture of Greg Norman in a live hat. Like the guy has to make everything about him. It's always, look at me. I need to be in front of the cameras. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And so I just put a, I mean, I was like, I couldn't refute. I couldn't contain myself. I just put a comment. Like, I don't even know what exactly what it, I was like. I was like, was the picture of you really necessary in the post to announce the schedule for the tour? And I was like, geez, you always have to make it about yourself. And what and was I, the what was the what was the comments from the? And I got a couple of comments like, "Yeah, that's what Rory and Tiger do all the time." And one guy was like, "Well, yeah, because he is live and he is a great entrepreneur." I'm like, I, I wanted to get back and forth with these guys, but I didn't. I'm like, if if he's live, if he is live, then he's doing a bad job. It should be about the players. That's what a commissioner does in a league. It's about the players. And yeah, he's a pretty good entrepreneur, but it's also really easy to spend a couple billion dollars of somebody else's money. I, I can do that. I can handle that. I could make a company afloat for a couple of years. And someone said, here's a couple billion dollars. Yeah, I could handle that, I think. It's so tough when you make a comment on social media. I know. I didn't. Ultimately, you you, you yeah. bring those people out. And then you find yourself. And it's like, I'm going to be dumber by conversation. Yeah, exactly. Furthering this argument, furthering this conversation. This is not benefiting my brain at all. Not at all. Not at all. All right. One real thing with Liv, too. Um, I want your take on something before we get to picks. Have you seen the rumors about Anthony Kim coming back out of retirement to play for Liv? It'd be fantastic. It would make sense because you know it, the reason he quit was for guaranteed money. Um, what was it? it was was the was the insurance policy like ten million? I think 15. is what everyone's heard. More than that, yeah. Uh, it I was, thought it was fifteen. I heard twenty five. I, I didn't hear. I didn't hear twenty five. But I'm but. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Liv Golf would love if he came back, and I'm pretty sure they'd give him double whatever his insurance policy was. He could pay that back and still make some money. Oh my goodness. He's worth, he's worth minimal of 50 to 75 million just based off of the following that he's his story and his following. Yeah. Well, but think about it. You need to get your viewership up, put this guy on the golf course. I would, I would watch live golf. I would watch all three rounds to watch Anthony Kim. And he's right on brand for them. Now he's tatted up full sleeves. Uh, Is he really? Oh, he's got full sleeves on both arms now. If I'm not mistaken, from the last picture I saw, I'm I'm almost positive he has full sleeves, um, and he's just That's he's great. just he he is so on brand for them. It would be a, a great addition to the sport. Um, there's so many people that want to see what's going on, and if you're going to bring back this tour on a new um, a new platform, which they've done, it looks like with the CW, this is the way to do it. I mean. It just makes so much sense. And and quite frankly, from AK standpoint, if they're going to guarantee him that much money based off of what his principles have already shown, he'd, he'd be dumb not to take it. All right. So I'm going to uh, have a negative take on this. Surprising. Imagine That's surprising. That. Jeez. So uh, first off, yes, it was, I just looked it up. It was a $10 million insurance policy. Um, 
here's my take on Anthony Kim to live. It would have buzz for a weekend for one event. And it would really only be the golf sickos. Cause there's a lot of golf fans that probably don't remember Anthony Kim. Don't know who Anthony Kim are. So it'd be cool for a weekend. And then it would lose a lot of buzz when everyone realizes, Oh, he sucks at golf. Cause he hasn't played professional golf in 10 years. Actually, sorry. What if he doesn't, what if he doesn't 11 years? And Oh, by the way, what if he's good? He sucked when he left the game in 11 and 12. He was not good back then. He sucked. That's why he left. I'll give well, no. That. So in 2012, he was hurt. He had he played in 10 events. He missed four cuts. He withdrew three times. 2011, he finished 79th in the FedEx Cup. Made half his cuts. Missed half his cuts. So and the other thing, if you get Anthony Kim on your tour you immediately lose any credibility with telling me this is about golf and competition. It's an entertainment product, purely entertainment and exhibition at that point. Well, well they're all, it's an all entertainment. Yeah. That, that's, all but is okay. This is purely, this is purely exhibition then. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't not if he plays well. Exhibition. I mean, that's no different than giving sponsor exemptions to, to, to players each week. Not, because yeah, but that's different than one week for a sponsor's exemption. Not an entire spot on a, an entire tour for having playing professional golf in 10, 11 years. Well, well I, I, I mean, I, I, I get it. I understand where you're going. What that's way different than a one week sponsor's exemption. There's a what balance the between the two. Every single, every single uh, tour event has these sponsor exemptions. And you no, know, it may not be each event only has one, but the tour allows it to happen every single yeah. week. So, yep. I mean, I, I, I that's that's, that's one that's one guy that one time for 150 out of 156. Not an, a spot on an entire tour when there's only 48 guys. Come on. Prove it to me with your golf clubs first that you can remotely stand a chance on a golf course. No, I mean, I, I certainly think that he needs it would be nice for him to prove himself, but I could see where live golf like they they need they need viewership. 100%. So, I mean, they all need viewership. So, if that means giving a, a guy who's like this ghost of a, a player, um, this enigma that we haven't seen. I, I think it it would be worth it would be worth the challenge or be worth the risk for them to to give them a give them a spot. And it could be a it could be a dud. I mean that's the that's the risk. That's what you know. That's what paying you know guaranteed money to any of these guys is is about. You know, you give you know look they gave Phil Mickelson all, whatever hundred million, and 200. and that didn't pan out for them. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, sure, but in the beginning, you're going to do whatever you can to try to get the viewership because that's how you're going to build the tour. So I get the viewership the side. Stage. I get the viewership side, but then it just it doesn't scream hardcore competition. It, it screams exhibition. I did hear something on a on a, I believe it was XM on the PJ Tour Network. I don't remember which show it was, but they did relate the live tour to more entertainment and the PGA tour to more competition. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's totally incorrect. Yeah, that's fine, but that's I not what's coming out of Liv's with, mouth. Hey, Boston, I'm talking. Oh, sorry. I, I yeah. forget. We don't interrupt on this show. <laughs> you don't interrupt me. Motherfucker. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, regardless, I, I think there is some merit to that, but I do agree with what Jay just said, that they're all entertainment. The competition is entertainment. Some are different forms of it, and golf is poised to bring more people to the sport than ever before with the new, um, you know, the new 
platforms, a new genre of golf. You know, this uh, we look at Drive Shack and you know some of their other competitors as to what's going on with the sport. We're bringing new people to it. This is an opportunity to do that. Now there's a competition format that that goes along with it. Mike, hold your breath. There's a competition format that goes along with that, but I, I, I think there's room for that. And I think it does benefit the game overall. And I, I also think as of right now, it's kind of unique to have live and PGA tour fans out there. All of a sudden, I think we are bringing some new people to the sport. And I can't say that that's totally negative from where we sit professionally. Again, I, I get that there's entertainment value in it. And I get that there's a ton of different avenues out there for entertainment and golf with, like you said, with, with drive shack, with the thing that tiger and, and Rory and these guys are signing up for the TGL for the simulator league. I get that, but that's not what live is selling me. If live just said we're an entertainment product. Great. But they're not, they're trying to tell me it's this unbelievable competition and they're playing for all this big money and the fields are so good and so deep and they deserve all those world ranking points. You don't deserve world ranking points. If you sign Anthony Kim to a full fledged member of your tour. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't care. You're, what you're either, you're or you're not. I don't care what they're saying. Hold on for a fucking professional second. golf. Professional golf in, in its infancy was entertainment. It started with guys traveling around a tour going like Yell's a farm in Bailey Circus. They go around from one place to the next to showcase their talents. And it was not about competition. It was about putting on a show. That's what the tour I understand is built that. on. So and it's built to what the PGA Tour we have now. It's turned into a very competitive thing. But that's what they're all going to be in the beginning. We need viewership. And if that's what they have to do to get viewership to kind of make the competition better, then that's what they're going to do. I understand that that they're maybe trying to sell that to, to people saying that it's an ultimate competition, which, you know, we all know that it's not as competitive. There's not as many players playing and you, you pick and choose which players come play. So we, I think we all can agree that it's not as competitive as the PGA Tour right now. But in order to get there, you need to you have to do whatever you can to get the viewership, to get more people attracted to it, to build up that uh, that competition amongst the, the the players on that tour to get to that level. But and I, that's why I don't I don't think it's a I don't care what they call it. I don't care what Greg Norman calls their tour. That's whatever. Who, who gives a shit? But. It, it it all is entertainment. That's what it comes down to. I, I Some get, people it's, like I get it it's all entertainment. Different, different points of parts of view. Some people like the history, the legacy. Some people like the ultra, the competition. Some people like watching guys play with tattoos and they like seeing the music and the fireworks. I mean, but it's all entertainment in the, in the grand scheme of things. So it's just, it's just a different product, but um, regardless of what they, they call it. Um, it's just about how many people want to watch it. Hey, AJ, that's the core of it. Jay, what's the max amount of sponsors exemptions you can get on the PGA Tour? Six. Six. I think it's seven. Six, Whatever six, it is. six or seven. I thought it was seven, but yeah. Whatever that number is, that's how many Anthony Kim would get if he decided to come back and apply for sponsor exemptions to play in the PGA Tour without He'd any other them. swings. Without any other swings. Okay, so, that's fine. That's fine. Take them. I'm confused by your logic. No, because, okay, here's the thing. Six, oh, hold six, on, no. No, hold no, on, no, 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 no. Let me finish. You want you're confused by my logic. So let me explain my logic to you. But please. If he see. comes back and he gets seven exemptions, he then has to earn his spot on the tour by playing golf and succeeding and making cuts and making money and finishing high. If he doesn't, he flames out and he's gone. He at least has to earn it. And he's also one of 156. He's not getting an entire spot on a tour that's one of 48 guys, an entire tour to make 
tens of millions of dollars when he sucks. I would have more issue with Anthony Kim on that tour. Yes. Would it be an entertaining thing? Yes. Would I see, would I watch him to do it? Yes. But from a competitive standpoint, I would have more issue with him on that tour than any of these other no names out there, because at least those guys are on the tour because they've done something with their golf clubs, maybe in the college level or amateur level or lower professional. At least they have shown some kind of competence to play the professional game of golf around this world. He hasn't shown it in 13 or 11 years. And, just he was, recent, and he was a hurt history. bum in 11, 11 years ago. All I'm saying is that he can get swing on that tour. And we don't, you know, it's pure speculation to know what his live golf contract would look like. I think they would guarantee him enough money that he would come play, but they might not guarantee him a spot for four years. You know, that could be a very no, valid I, yeah, conversation. I get, I get that. If yeah. us three idiots are coming up with that on our podcast, I can only imagine that there's other people saying, you know, that he needs to earn it to a certain extent. We're going to pay him, you know, $15 million signing bonus to cover his contract to get him to tee it up. But if he's not cutting the mustard in six events, as we've seen other players on the live tour, he may not still be a member of the live. Well, tour. and here's the other thing that we don't know because live doesn't tell us anything. They haven't, announced their roster they haven't announced these new teams and names and all this kind of stuff allegedly there was some rumors that maybe it's 48 guys maybe each team maybe it's actually 60 guys each team has someone they float in and float out and so maybe he could get benched if he was on a team if he sucks and doesn't make money so i, I don't know they don't tell us anything that we're a few weeks away from the start of their big season here and we don't know shit still yeah um and so yeah it would be curious if, if they had 60 players could that he then Okay, he gets a spot in the 60, but then he sucks, so he never plays for his team because he blows. And yeah, okay, that would be a little bit better. I would be able to swallow that pill a little easier than just giving a guy, hey, you haven't played golf in 11 years. Here you go. Here's guaranteed millions of dollars. But I, I will say that I think he's proven himself, even though it hasn't been recent, I think he his pedigree has proved himself in the past. And and again, it just comes down, in my opinion, the, the entertainment value of haven't seen this guy. He's been a hermit for 11, 12 years. I, what does he still have it? I want I want to see him, you know, succeed or possibly fail. Like that's what we like to. That's why we watch sports. So for the entertainment side of it, I, I don't care if he's done it in the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, the fact of the matter is I haven't even seen the guy in 10 or 12 years. So I just want to. I just want to see what what he can do. If he's is he gonna is he gonna wow us with you know his his skills that he had you know 10, 12 years ago, or is he gonna flop? You know, I I want to watch it. That's all I no, know. I, I would watch it. I get you it. Know? Just but and it's not if it were me, if it were me on the other end of that, given the money, yeah, I could totally see where you're coming from. Like, hey, I'm not gonna give you this right up front. You're gonna have to earn it. But that's <laughs> that's not what they're doing. No, it's Obviously, not. And that's they why I have, don't. They wouldn't have a tour filled with the players that they have uh, based on that. Or they would have a qualifying system set up. All the things that every other major tour has, they don't have. So they're obviously not playing by the same same standard. Um, it's it's purely based on – let's be honest. We know what the tour is there for. It's, it's, a, it's a disruptor. That's what they are. The tour is there to disrupt. Yeah. That's all it is. And if they, if, if they strike lightning in a bottle, then great. Then they can keep disrupting. That's what the tour is there for. It's a political, it's got, it's political, politically backed. This is, it's, that's what it is. How, how can we screw, screw the, the system and how can we change, change the game? That's all it is. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're so far, they're, they're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. 
2023, still fighting about live. It's going to be <laughs> fun. Probably not going to change anytime soon. No, not anytime soon. <laughs> not anytime soon. It's so soon. funny is our allegiances. Like we have our allegiances towards certain things. Mike and I have JT. Jay and I have live. Like it just, it, it, it's a nice little merry-go-round. Last week, McLean and I had the short game in course management. Jay had it advancing the ball off of the tee. Don't get, let's not get what, back into that. What, what did I have? When we, when you kept on saying, um, when we were having the debate on how to drop strokes, the most strokes fastest, and oh, you were, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kept on talking about having people advance the ball off the tee. Yeah. So I still, I still, I think it, it depends on the hand. All right. We're not getting into that. We're not getting into it. Yeah. Cause I can, I was just trying going. to make a joke. <laughs> I, I get, I already have. Don't go there. Cause I'm ready. I got my I fucking could, boxing yeah, gloves I'm on, bro. So I'm ready. ready to go. No, so ready. We're not going there tonight. It's time to do our time to do our picks for this week's event. Um, we're at Pebble Beach. Won last week. Jay Bird won last week. Um, brings his season long total to thirty five points. Still in the basement. I am in second at thirty six. McLean is at forty four, but we are closing the gap. They are closing the gap. Closing the gap. So, uh, Pebble Beach Pro Am. We all know this event. We all know the golf course. They do play it on three golf courses. I was actually thinking, is there another golf course the general public knows better than Augusta other than it's Augusta and Pebble Beach, probably the two most. 100%. Uh, you could put St. Andrews on that list. I even think that's hard for some people, just the regular public, because it's everything looks the same. Everything's gray and, yeah. you know, just no, it's, it's, it's way more identifiable. As far as Pebble Beach is, because the backdrop, it, it yeah, so many pictures brings you in. Taken. Yeah, yeah. I so agree. you know, we've already a couple. We've been doing this for you know, this is our third AT T Pebble Beach that we've talked about, and you know, we all kind of sick of the the AMs and that kind of stuff. And it's not a great field. It's not supported that much by the PGA Tour, and I'm not sure how much the AMs have to do with that. Probably a little bit. You know, they're, they're six and a half, seven hour rounds out there, so. Um, but anyways, yeah, not a great field. Tom Hoagie, defending champ. You do got Victor Hovland, Jordan Spieth, uh, a few big guys playing in it. Who wants to go first? Jay, you're you're the you're the winner from last week. How about you go? All right, I'll do it. I just want to uh, say I've never been given the honor after I was the winner. Just I think you have, but I really don't play. It's okay. It's okay. Mike. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even worried about it. Oh. Uh, all right, I'm going to start from the bottom and uh, work my way up. 7,500, Russell Knox. Um, you know, he he's had a decent history playing there. He's he's played pretty solid so far this year, 9 of 10 cuts. Um, I know Russell, good player, good ball striker. Great. Bulldog. Great. What bulldog. the Bulldog, great into the win, in, in wind, wind, windy conditions, hits the ball low, real solid. Um, again, I'm, my strategy for this is tough. Um, but with a, it's a three round, three round cut. Um, I think that the, the chance of these guys, uh, you know, having all six guys make the cut are going to be, are going to be tough. Um, but that's my goal. I'm looking for guys who are going to play solid golf and, 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 and make the cut. So, um, I got Russell Knox, uh, at 7,500. Then I bump up to Will Gordon, another guy, eight of 10 cuts played, played pretty solidly. Um, then I jump up to Lonto coming off of a nice, 
a nice finish last week. Uh, I think he's in stride, likes these POA greens. Um, so I hope he keeps the momentum going and plays some good golf. Uh, then I jump up to Nick Taylor, who's played well at this golf course in the past as well. Um, and then I'm not super I, – I, I didn't go with any of the high-priced guys. I didn't go with uh, Victor Hovland, even though I like him. Uh, the small greens uh, scared me a little bit. I know he played well there, won the U.S. Amateur there. Um, but I, he's not a great chipper, so that scared me. Jordan Spieth has always played well there. But I just have a weird feeling that he's just not going to play well. I don't know why. There's nothing, nothing backing that. I don't know if it's the fact that I think he's overrated. But I just don't think he's going to play well. I, may, I hope he proves me wrong. I like the guy. He seems careful, like a, careful with that word "overrated." I, I've been using it, and people do not like it. They so. don't like it. You're right. You're right, and and that's and that's good. Again, I've I've always said the word "overrated" is relative to the the person saying it. So that I'm can, just I'm just warning you as someone who uses that word, and it's got a lot of backlash. A lot of backlash. I, I do like Jordan Speed. He gets the most out of his game. Maybe I should say that. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Rose, who's playing, been playing some some better golf, real good ball striker, 9,500, and then uh, a local resident there played well at this course, uh, Maverick McNeely, 9,600 bucks. I like it. I had Mav. I took him. I ended up taking him out of my my lineup. Um, I really wanted to put him in, but I, I had a couple iterations and ended up taking taking him out. Rose is a good pick too. I don't have him on my team, but I looked long and hard at at taking him so um mclean i'm gonna go next and then i'll uh send yeah, it to it. you go ahead. so you can go uh third yeah, no problem i can go ahead no problem yeah no go <laughs> ahead mike sure we'll go in order of, of finish you came in last so you'll go last the reverse honor i've got the reverse honor your honor yeah i'm gonna start at the bottom seven thousand oh, yeah. dollars adam shank um i think his game fits this golf course I like his price point. He comes off a top 20 finish at um, Farmers, playing well. I like Adam Shank. Then I'm going to go up to 7,100, the big rig himself, Mr. Harry Higgs, who was in a bad place with his game last year, has slowly turned it around. He had a couple of good finishes in the fall, top 20 at the Amex, played okay um, at Farmers last week. I like him to have another strong week. He seems the kind of guy too, just from a personality standpoint, playing with these AMs is not going to bother him. He's not going to get it. That, that's a huge part. I mean, I've looked at that too. Like guys who enjoy playing pro AMs, there's certain guys who don't have the patience for it. I mean, they're like you said, they're six hour rounds. It's a hard, hard golf course by, by most standards. And, and you know, you, you're watching guys spray it, hit it in the water. I mean, it's just, it, it can be very tedious. I, although I will say, and I, I'm, I didn't pick Jordan Spieth, and none of this is your go at it, but um, just for the listeners, Jordan Spieth plays, he, he does play well there every year. He plays with very the well. same, the same am every year. He's got the same routine, the same schedule. He's comfortable in this. He likes the pro am format. He feeds off of the, the AMs that he plays with. And that's why he typically plays well. Um, so, but anyway, th- like to your point, Mikey, that that's, that makes a, that's a big difference. These pro AMs that we, that we have, like some guys are just not, they don't have the personality for it and, and they're just not going to play well. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that's why I like Harry. I think he's starting to get his game in shape. He, I heard an interview with him a few weeks ago. He seems like he's in a better place mentally. And so we're going to go with the big rig, uh, the one man who 
uh, confirmed, validated my hole in one at Bandon Dunes. So, uh, then I named the big rig. I didn't know that. That's his nickname. The big rig, man. That may, I mean, that's definitely right. I mean, the sunglasses, the low button, he's a sexy motherfucker, you know, (laughs) then I'm going to go up to $7,600. Lanto Griffin front of the pod. Jay took him as well. He, uh, Coming off the injury, like we talked about last week, had a good finish, top 40 at Farmers, first PJ Tour event back after the kind of warm-up on the Corn Ferry Tour. We uh, successfully talked McLean out of taking him off of his lineup last week. McLean picked him on the podcast, and we talked him down, and then after the podcast was over, McLean changed his team, took him off. Wait, and would I, you have won last week if you would kept him in? I, whoever you picked missed the cut, I think. Whoever you took in place, Bo Hostler. I'm aware. But would you have won? I didn't look at the final numbers, but I was thinking 100% out of one, Jay. <laughs> He's uh, that, that 100% is the same one in 100% Patrick Reed gave to the official. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Fucking ouch. So then I'm going to go up. Still doing your picks. Yep. Still doing my picks. Uh, now I'm going to go up to one of our favorite Bulldogs, $8,500, Kevin Kisner. Perfect kind of venue couple of venues for him hasn't played since hero world challenge uh, but he had a couple of good finishes in the fall he's rested he's ready to go another guy who could just kind of yuck it up with these ams up there and is not going to be too Only frazzled if he has a good group true Only true, true. Group. then i go up to uh, i'm going to pick this guy a whole bunch because he hasn't disappointed me ninety seven hundred dollars andrew putnam he's just solid man he's just solid that's all i can say I had him in. I had him in there. It was Justin Rose, Andrew Putnam, and that's and, who uh, I was Justin looking Rose, at. Yeah. I was going back and forth. He's been playing solid golf. That's I think it's a good pick. So I'm going to pick him a bunch this year until he lets me down, and then I'm going to go up to ninety eight hundred dollars. Seamus Power. I expect big things from him. He was leading by five here through thirty six holes last year. Kind of gagged it on the weekend. Finished top ten still, but obviously plays well here with that lead i think he kind of avenges that a little bit this year so there's my squad now mclean it's your turn i'm getting a beer you're gonna fucking hold on do to do do to do mclean wants to go so bad and now he's not ready to go when it's his turn well, you were fucking long-winded pal now you know what i would deal with on a, on a weekly basis with you two well you don't have to worry about my picks you guys already have fucking four of them <laughs> All right, I've got uh, Bo Hostler, Troy Merritt, and Jordan Spieth. Those are my picks because you guys also have Lonto Griffin, Russell Knox, and Andrew Putnam for all the reasons that you guys already mentioned. <laughs> this is where we're at. Can you, go, can you go into a little bit more detail in terms of why you picked those, why you picked those players? He doesn't I think they're going to fucking win, Jay. That's why I picked them. <laughs> I think they're going to play well. You can't have three winners, McClain. Only one. Only one guy wins. Oh, now we're into technicalities. All right, cool. Now we're having fun. All right, so do we run through this? Jordan Spieth, 10,600. Guy who's played incredible at uh, Pebble Beach historically. Um, one of the top players in the world. Expect him to play well. Moving down, Andrew Putnam, for all the reasons that we already alluded to. Um, I'm not going to belabor that fucking point. Um, moving south from there, uh, I've got Mr. Lonto Griffin, 7,600. Uh, he did play well last week. I think he's someone who's going to play well at uh, Pebble Beach again. Yeah, I'm not, top 10 from Lonto this week. I, I like it. I, I like where it's at. 
Um, I did read an interesting stat on Bo Hostler that ultimately, even though he let me down last week, his putting let him down, which historically is one of his best strong suits of his game. And we're looking for him to recover. I think he's going to be a good pro-am participant. I think he's going to enjoy it. I think he's going to play well. The Russell Knox. Russell Knox, for the reasons that Jay already mentioned, the guys are just an absolute bulldog. I think he's going to just get out there, enjoy himself, and uh, just kind of grind it out. He's going to hit more hybrids than the ladies' member guest. But ultimately, he's going to end up competing. Uh, and then got down to Troy Merritt. And I'll be honest with you. I picked Troy Merritt because he made it onto the fucking power rankings. We all know <laughs> how I utilize those power rankings. I didn't read much into it. I just saw that he was there. I saw he was available for the dollar. And I put him on my squad. That's it. And that's seat. A little Manolo for you. I get a little nervous. I actually, I picked up my squad and I, and I pulled up the power rankings. Only two of my guys are on there. So I get a little nervous that my squad wasn't very good, but I'm going to stand by my own, my own research. Screw them. What do they know? Nothing. Yeah. All that research. That Nothing. Fuck so. them, right? All right, gents. That was fun. Anything else from you guys? Good luck. McLean, go work on your ladder proposal to the tours. Let me know how that goes. Boston sucks. Tell you, if they need a, a, a permanent volunteer, they can pay me. I need to be a paid, I guess I'm not a volunteer. I need to be a paid employee, but I'll be the ladder guy. I'll travel week to week. I'll just be the ladder guy. You just no, call all me I'm in. saying is you need a ladder. It's not going to be hard. There'll be a drunk fucker around there. You can get <laughs> up in the trees quickly. I'm just telling you, if you can move boulders, you can get someone to climb a ladder to identify a golf ball. All I'm I want saying, a, I want a cart with maybe like a little like flashing light, maybe a little siren just to kind of get through the crowds easier. Yeah, you got to get there quick. Yeah. And that's important. I think you're onto something. I'll let you take all the credit, but I'll do the work. You would need a siren. You're, you're a live guy. It makes <laughs> sense why you want to make a, 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 a big to-do with yourself and your newfound responsibilities. I'm not a live guy. You just call me oh, a live I, guy? Sorry, you said you wanted to drive a cart with a siren and climb trees. just yeah. sounded very live. I liked. I thought you were crossing the threshold. That's the biggest, that's the biggest be, fight in words we've had on this show tonight. What? <laughs> I've got a little time. I've got a little time. <laughs> All right. That's it for us, guys. It's always fun. It's a pleasure. Thanks to our listeners for downloading as usual. And we'll be back next week. Cheers.